So, but we all have know some people where it's hard to be around because they just they just need so much, <laughs> you know, so much high maintenance. And I think uh, we are in that area with God too. My last one of seven is: What do you have to have to be obedient? You know, you look through scriptures and you find all these people that say they're going to follow Jesus, and you know, and and Jesus is okay. And he said, "Well, first let me go, you know, bury the dead, go bury my father." You know, first I need to go say so goodbye to my family. Well, please have me excused so I can go take care of this oxen that I have. Please have excuse because I just got married. They have all these reasons. You know, someday, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Someday, I'm going to be your disciple. But they're high maintenance. What you know? What do we have to have for us to be obedient? And so this particular one is talking about you are not your own. And too often we think we're we are our own that we can dictate our future, that we can dictate our way without going to God and find out what His will is. So high missing Christians so far, this is some of the things I've, I know, the previous ones, desires of the heart. In what you delight, you abide. You know, wherever your treasure is, you're going to find your heart. <clears throat> the war over delight and desires, because there is a war over those things of what you delight in, what you desire. Will and desire really show how your desires come from your will. The Trinity of self, you know, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We also have me, myself, and I. And many times we consult those gods, <laughs> that Trinity, Trinity of self, hanged on a tree. You know, this is where um, the passage I've been using a lot is, is where Eve was tempted in the garden. There was, you know, Jesus or God told them, he says, you can eat from any tree, in this garden, every seed-bearing plant, every green herb you can eat, but this one tree you shall not eat, which was, you know, which was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But Satan hacked them, got them to eat from that tree, and anytime we eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Satan's ultimate goal is to hang us from that tree yeah. of knowledge of good and evil. Cursed is the man who hangs on a t- who hangs on a tree. Now, those who are in Christ Jesus, we know that Jesus took that curse and he was hung, hanged on a tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because the tree of knowledge of good and evil separates God's heart, separates God's spirit with principles. And a lot of us do that. A lot of us follow principles rather than going to God and see which one works. I don't think that's on. See, let's see. Yeah, it's working. Okay. I didn't see no lights. Looking out for me. <laughs> so in the seventh one, what do you have to have to be obedient? Because I talked about this one. This one is, you are not your own. So this is part eight. I have 13 of them. Anytime God gives me a message, there's usually 13 messages. I have 13 points, and under them I have 10 other points. <laughs> so I always have long messages, but I go pretty deep. Because the Word of God, I mean, no matter how, di- you know, how deep a dive you make, you're still not hitting bottom, not with God. <laughs> So Psalms 37, 4 says, Delight yourself also, Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So this is another scripture I've been using through this whole series. So a lot of us, you know, talk about that. You know, he'll give us the desires of our heart, but we've got to delight ourselves. We've got to delight ourselves in the Lord. But as I've done that over the years, I'm finding out there's a lot of desires I had in my heart that dissipate. That weren't put, they weren't put there by God. They weren't necessarily evil, but they, you know, they were good. I mean, but they just weren't put there by God. They could put them put there because, you know, because you saw somebody else be blessed. Has anybody ever seen somebody do something real well and they got blessed and you're thinking, hey, I can do that. 
And because you're thinking, I'm going to get the same reward as them. Then when you get get out there and find out you really can't do it. And so you can easily, you know, grab desires that God didn't put there just simply because, you know, the lust of your eyes and, and what you see and what you want. Uh, Genesis 3, 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, you know, and uh, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took off, you know, of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband and her and he ate. Now, this is a New King James Version, but other versions says it was a delight to her eyes. And so the same thing, pleasant, delight, enjoying, whatever, you know, all the same type word. Our desires can get in the way of God's will. So here's the first scripture on this series, on this uh, particular one. You are not your own. Psalms 10, 3 to 4 says, For the wicked boasts of the heart's desire, and the greedy man curses and, and, and spurns the Lord. The wicked in the haughtiness of his countenance does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. So the wicked boasts of his heart's <laughs> desire. So we've got to be real careful with the desires that, that God has put in our heart. Because we can even, Satan is a hacker, and I've got a whole message on that one that Satan loves to hack us. And since he was there during creation, he saw us built, he saw us put together. So ever since then, he's been trying to hack us. And, and so God, so Satan is able to hack what even a desire that God has placed in us. Well, you know, many of you in here, God placed a desire for you to get married and you got married. But Satan tried to hack that, you know, and, and make that come out of, out of time, out of place in the wrong way. So we need to be careful when we when we boast even about our heart's desire. If we focus too much on what, what we desire, then we really can be easily hacked. And all thoughts are there is no God. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that everybody in here says, well, I don't have those thoughts. And only an atheist would have those thoughts. But I don't think that's really what it's saying here. All his thoughts are there is no God. I don't think people are just thinking all the time, there is no God. What I'm thinking is God is missing from your thoughts. I'm thinking you're thinking about the desires and fulfilling those desires, and you're not thinking about God's will and God's way on how he's going to do his desires. That maybe you haven't submitted those desires to God to see if this is really his desire for you and to see how he's going to fulfill it. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. The first thing to do is find out if his desires from God is to ask. You know, and, 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 you say, and he says yes. Then you need to you know, seek. How is this going to happen? You know, when is this going to, you know, and then the knock is, when is this going to take place? Because any time a seed or a desire that God has placed in us, you know, there's seed time and harvest. It takes a while. So you ask, and you keep on asking until you're 100% sure. Then you keep on seeking, because most of the time when God says yes to us, we're not ready. We're not qualified. You know, in this world, we want a job. We go, you know, put our resume together and fill out our application and make sure that we're qualified for the job we're going into. That's not the way God works. God, you know, hires us. He elects us for a job that we're not yet qualified for. Yeah, that's true. And then he hires us and then qualifies us on the way. And so we need to make sure that when we're thinking about desires, and you know, that Scripture tells us to cast down every thought that exalts itself over the Word of God. Yeah. It tells us to take captivity every thought. And so, so God should not be missing from our thoughts. We should be able to thoughts coming down and we should immediately go, that's not a God thought. I need to cast this down. Or, may, or, or this is a thought God is not in, so I need, to, I need to present this God, I mean present this thought to God to see if it is his thought. 
You know, Satan is a hacker, and if you know anything about antivirus software or anything else, sometimes they come across something, they got to take that, 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 you know, that file and present it to other people. Is this okay or is this not okay? Because we're not sure yet. Well, we have those thoughts, and those thoughts are not God, you know, infused, God ordained, that we need to, at the very least, set aside and ask God, God, is this desire from you? Because I don't want to have any thoughts where God is not involved, not in it. If you know me, you hear me talk all the time that I always have one ear to the Lord. Scripture talks about praying, you know, unceasing and everything else. The reason I say I, have, I always have one ear to the Lord because he goes with me wherever I go. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. And so if I start going somewhere, if I start thinking on the wrong thing, I get this little nudge in my hearing. I can feel the Holy Spirit says, let's not go that way. That's not my plan. And immediately, most of the time immediately, I say, that's not my plan either. Let's go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a friend with you, you know, if you take your friend somewhere else, and if you never talk to him, you never pay attention to him, what kind of friendship would that be? And so that's what the Holy Spirit was. He sticks closer to us than a brother. And so that's what, so that's what I do is, is always have one ear towards him that he can always correct me. Anytime I feel itchy inside, anytime I feel like this is something not right here, I don't try to lean to him understand to figure out, I don't see any reason not to do this. I just listening to the Holy Spirit say, no, that's all I need to know. If he tells me not to go that way, I'm not going that way. If he wants to tell me why, he can tell me why now or he can tell me why later. I just want to be obedient to that. And so we want to make sure our thoughts are not without God. All his thoughts are there is no God. But that's not what's happening to us. What's happening to us is we're having thoughts where God is not involved in it. So Satan is a hacker. He hacks the flesh. He hacked Adam and Eve. We're made spirit, soul, and body. You know, Adam and Eve were spirit, soul, and body. This was before the fall. They did not have sin nature. They were perfect creation. But since Satan saw them put together, he knew there was backdoors possibility. And all he had to do was call them up, tell them there was a virus on the computer, get them to, you know, bring down the firewall, and he was in. Mm. Same thing as doing us. You get emails, click on this link. <laughs> this link. This link will make you rich. This link will cure everything. You click on it, you open a back door. And that's what Satan did you know, to Adam and Eve. He couldn't hack their spirit. But he could hack their flesh. And their flesh was their, their mind, their thoughts. Their flesh is their, their emotions. Their flesh is their will. And their flesh is the five senses of the body. That's the weak part. And so he hacked that. And then once he got them to eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil, he just walked in and took over. All the world became his. All creation fell when Adam took of that. And Satan took over. And I, you know, I said I got a whole message maybe I'll deliver next year, but Satan is still trying to hack everything, and he's still trying to get into everything. <clears throat> he tried to hack the humanity of Jesus. Jesus was one hundred percent God, one hundred percent man. He was always divine. He never let his divine, you know, his divinity let loose. But he did leave always omni stuff in heaven. He didn't, you know, work through omnipresence. He didn't have, he left all his power in heaven so that he could become like a man and be completely dependent on the hearing of the Father and directed by the Holy Spirit. So Satan tried to hack him because he too did not have, because his father was God, he did not have the sin nature. He was the last Adam. So after 40 days of hunger, Satan goes in for the hack. 
you know, and he brings him to, you know, he's in the wilderness and he says, you know, you're pretty hungry. I'm not so sure if this God of yours is going to take care of you. So you better take care of yourself. Go ahead and turn this stone in, you know, into bread. Take care of yourself. You got to look out for you. Who else is going to look out for you? But Jesus' quick response, he didn't click that link. <laughs> he put that phone down, says, I'm not answering. It says, a man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. <clears throat> so we can't just live by reading the Bible. We just can't live by coming to church. We have to hear the words behind the words. We have to hear the spirit behind the spirit. We have to know inside us what is being spoken. We can't have secondhand revelation. Eve has secondhand revelation, and that's why Satan hacked her first. The woman at the well, you know, she went to the city and told, you know, told to the whole town, I think I found the Messiah. They came, and after they heard Jesus, they said, man, we came because we believed you, but now that we've heard for ourselves, we believe for ourselves. And then when Jesus asked Peter and all his disciples, who do people say I am? And Peter spoke up and said, well, you're the Messiah. You're the, you're the Son of God. And he said, blessed are you for not her flesh and blood, but from the Spirit. So Peter did not hear her secondhand. And so man cannot live on bread alone by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Satan goes in for the second hack. So remember, Jesus was at 12 years old. He was in the temple, and his parents had gone on and found that, hey, he's, not, he's missing here. They went back and said, son, what are you doing here? He says, don't you know I have to be about my father's business? And so here's 18 years later, seed time and harvest. And so Satan goes in for the next hack and says, okay, since you're not going to provide for yourself, I get that. God is holy. I understand that. But maybe God needs some help. And so he takes Jesus up to the high point of the temple and says, jump. Even the promise of God says the angels will keep you from dashing their foot. And so you're trying to save the world. You're trying to be somebody. So show, the, show everybody out here just how great of a man of faith you are. And when they see you jump and the angels bring you down, everybody's going to bow down to you. Everybody's going to know who you are. Everybody's going to come to you. But Jesus says, man shall not tempt God and force his hand. He just says, you shall not tempt God, but that's what you're doing. That's what we're doing when we tempt God is we're trying to force God's hand too early. We're trying to make God do things before it's time. And many of us have been there. We've done things. God has given us promises and we hacked it. We got there before he got there. And a lot of trouble happens when we do that. So Jesus says, nope, I'm not letting this hack happen. I'm not going to force God's hand. It's his, everything is his timing, not mine, his timing. So Satan tries a third time to hack him after knowing God's will, but not, you know, so, so knowing God's will, but not knowing his way. And how, and how what did Jesus know God's will as it says in Psalms? This is, what, this is what Jesus' main desire was, as far as his man was. It says in Psalms, I can't remember exactly what it is, uh, scripture it was, but it says, uh, Today my beloved son is born. Ask of me for the nations, and I'll give them to you. That's why Jesus came, was to save the nations. Not just the Jewish nation, but all the nations. Zechariah in Revelation says all the nations, all the kingdoms of this world are going to become his kingdom. He came to save all the nations. So here is Satan, once again, trying to hack him. He says, okay, you're not going to provide for yourself. I get that. You're not going to force the hand of God. Okay, I understand that. But guess what, Jesus? This is your lucky day. 
Because if your greatest desire is to save all these nations, guess who has them? So if you want these nations, if this is a desire that God, you delight in the Lord, and he's going to give the desires of your heart. Your desire to save these nations? Perfect timing. You even got scripture, Jesus, to back this up. You know, but, and he said, but he says, man shall not worship God and serve him only. Satan didn't even ask Jesus to worship him. This is not Satan worship. He just said, worship before me. Take, take a shortcut. I'll give you these nations. You just have to worship before me. You don't have to worship me. You just have to worship before me. But the definition of worship is who you serving. And that's where Jesus brought that out. He says, no. Because if I bow down and worship you, that means I'm going to serve this desire. I will not serve the nations. I will not serve my desire, even though God gave me the desire. I will worship and serve God only. And how many of us have fallen for this and we end up serving our desire? And when we started serving our desire, it just isn't that great. And so, so Satan trying to hack Jesus, he couldn't hack Jesus in that, but many times Satan has definitely hacked us for us to take a God desire that's, that's, baked, that's backed by the Holy Spirit, that's a desire that God placed in our heart because we delighted in him, but then we bowed down, took a shortcut, and worshiped that desire by serving that desire rather than serving God. Many of the ministers have done that. Many ministers have big, grown up big ministries only to serve that ministry and no longer delight in God. Many a man has, has married the woman they want to and asked God. One pastor says it's called galvation. They come to church for galvation, not salvation. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But they end up worshiping their family. Just like when that master, you know, in Scripture, Jesus talking about this master says, I'm having a feast, so call all my servants. And one of them says, I can't come, I'm married. <laughs> he started serving his desire rather than the Lord. We need to always serve the Lord. Well, I am serving the Lord in ministry. It's, it's a fine line if you're serving the Lord or serving the ministry. And so man shall worship God and serve him only. Your glory or God's glory. So there's three things on what Jesus said. We need to follow his example. Not only is he our Savior and Lord, but he's our big brother and he's our example. So he didn't come here for his glory. He came here for God's glory. So the Jews were astonished, saying, How has this man became learned, had never been educated? So Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but he who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will... He will know of the teaching, whether it's God or whether I speak from myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. So when we have those desires, we're delighting the Lord, and he, give us, he gives us the desire. So I'm not even talking about worldly desires. I'm not talking about evil desires now. I'm talking about the desire that God has placed in your heart because you delighted in him. So when you have that desire, uh, who, who are you speaking for? Who are you speaking for when you about that desire? Rather it be a ministry, rather it be a business, or, or for? Are you speaking for the Lord? Are you, are you really seeing that that desire is going to not only bring victory to you and refreshing to you, but it's even a greater part of fulfilling the great commission in the kingdom of God? Or is it only going to bless you and your family? 
Who gets the glory when you become great? It's okay to become great. God told Abraham, I'm going to make you a great man. Your name's going to be great. Even the New Testament says it's a good thing to want to be a bishop. So we can be great. But, when you, but who gets the glory when you do become great? Because there's a lot of people that quit giving God glory when they become great. When they become to some level that they think they achieved, they're no longer giving glory to God. Now they're taking the glory from themselves. Now they're giving a rags to riches story and leaving God completely out of it. So we got to always understand that desire. God wants to fill desires, especially those ones he placed in our heart. But he won't do it out of season. He won't do it out of time because he knows the end from the beginning. And he doesn't want to see us destroyed. <clears throat> and and, when, and no, he's not going to share the glory with, with anybody. His glory will hurt us. So he gets the glory when you, when you become great. And what is the cause of much unrighteousness? So let's read that last part. I guess I didn't highlight this part. It says, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true. And there is no unrighteousness in him. There is no unrighteousness in him. So what is the cause of much unrighteousness? Seeking our own glory. If we're seeking our own glory, we're going to get into all kinds of unrighteousness. We're going to break all kinds of rules. We're going to bend all kinds of laws. We're going to turn a deaf ear to the Lord. I have one ear always towards the Holy Spirit. But if I desire that desire more than God, I'm going to tune out. And then I'm going to compromise. So free will is a choice between life and death. You know, we here live in America, so we very know about freedom, but we really are skewed because uh, the United States is not the kingdom of God. You know, we have the best, you know, type of, uh, you know, government and nation, you know, this world's ever seen, but it's no match for the kingdom of God. And there are some things that are drastically different. So free will is a choice between life and death. God puts before us life and death. He says, choose life. Amen. Of course, Satan also gives you two choices, but his two choices are death and death, and he doesn't care which one you choose. But he just wants to give their parents a freedom. And how many people are bound because they chose one of the Satan's options? <laughs> but they thought they had freedom. So free will is not the choice between life and death, not the, not the freedom to do our own will. We have the choice to make between life and death, but we don't have the freedom to do our own will. If we're, if we're going to be born again, if we're Jesus our Savior, if we're going to be his disciple, if we're going to follow him, we're not our own. We're bought with a price. So we need to submit everything to him. All our desires, the timing of those desires, how those desires are fulfilled. So Proverbs 18, 1-2 says, He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. So that's where we can see several things of us, of where our desire is no longer submitted to God, but we're doing our own thing. There's many times I've helped people in church, you know, you know, pay something or take care of something, but as soon as that need is fulfilled, boom, they were gone. They're out. Who separates himself? So, so what are we separating us? You know, separating from who? For one thing, God. You know, if God is the one who checks our heart. There's many times that God has told me I heard that and I didn't say a thing. 
He heard my heart. I didn't need to say anything. It says when the angels came, came from a time to be checked on, it says iniquity was found in the devil's heart. The devil didn't have to say anything. God can see the heart. Iniquity is found there. Our heart speaks. Our heart is loud. One time the Lord had me, you know, led me out to go camping for three days. And he says, I don't want you to take any worship songs. I don't want you to read the Bible. I just want you to go. And I go, I don't even understand that. But I went. So the first day I'm just really bugging out. And I was just like, I want to read the Bible. And I want to do those things, but I want to be obedient. Second day, it goes like that. But in the second day, I guess I just couldn't take it anymore. And the Lord spoke up to me. Do you hear how loud your heart is? It's loud. <clears throat> it's loud. And so that's where I learned how to quiet my own soul, like David talked about. My desires were louder than God's voice. I got I was born again. I was saved. I was, you know, but I had a bunch of knowledge and a bunch of zeal, but lack in knowledge. I wanted to kick down doors. I wanted to run with, you know, I, I thought I was invincible. But I had to learn a few things. So anytime we separate ourselves from God, separate ourselves from prayer, separate ourselves from daily scripture reading, separate us from church, you're headed towards seeking your own desire. And only revealing it in his own mind. How much do you, you share your desire or your dream with somebody else? If you're always sharing it, then you're revealing your own mind mm. because you're not paying attention to other people. <clears throat> so, you're, so, so what are you revealing? You're revealing... A revealing desire of your heart separated from God. And even it may be even a desire from God. It might be God's, you know, the ministry that God has given you or the businesses God has given you. But you begin separating his voice from that desire and seeking that desire on your own. But if you have bitter and jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not which comes down from above, but it's earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. Selfish ambition in your heart. Why do you want to be great? It's not wrong to want to be great. Just why do you want to be great? Do you want to be in a position of authority so that you can lead people in the ways of the Lord? Do you want to be in a position or because of all the applause? Because of the fame, because of the fortune? Or do you want to be in a place where you're receiving money so that you can fund it back into the kingdom of God and help lots of people? But it's a selfish ambition when you're only thinking of yourself or only your family here. The love of money is the what? The root of all evil. But selfish ambition, look at this, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. So it's not just the love of money, selfish ambition too. Because most people in the church, the love of money is not going to get you because we've had that put in us for so long. But selfish ambition can get us. When we want to get to a place, when we got to, the, you know, to a position or so, or so forth, we should never covet something like that. We should always go to serve and not to be served. That's what Jesus did. So we got to ask ourselves, why do we want to be great? Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility in mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. So it's okay to share your desire with somebody else, but how much are you sharing your desire versus how much you're trying to serve and help somebody else with theirs? Because if it's all about you, 
then it very well could be selfish ambition, you know, selfishness and empty conceit. So if you desire, if your desires uh, do not bless others, if you're having those thoughts, then your desires are without God. Your thoughts are without God. Everything that God is going to give you, he's going to give you to bless not only you, but through you. No matter what it is, not just ministry, business, everything, everything you should do. He is bringing you every day across people that you can bless. If your sacrifices are not for others, then who are they for? There's a lot of the church, you know, caught up in this. And at one time I could easily get caught up in this because, well, even Eve, you know, Eve, you know, she was made, you know, image and likeness of God. But Satan convinced her, if you eat of this, you'll be like God. You know how many people are trying to sacrifice to be just like God when they're already born again? How many people fasting become holy? Fasting is not going to make you holy. That's right. And, but we do that. But so anything that you're doing that's a sacrifice, who is it blessing? Who is it helping? Now, if you want to, you know, fast for three days and you're praying for other people, then that sacrifice is for other people, not, not for you to try to build yourself up to be holy. Are you praying two hours a day? Are you really into it because of the people around you? Or are you just trying to be something? Yeah, checkbox. If your sacrifice is not for others, and the thing is, is we're going to sacrifice for our desires, no matter what they are. Evil desires, good desires, whatever. We're going to sacrifice. It's required of it. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you, you know, to fulfill God's desire in your heart. But we've got to look at who is that sacrifice blessing. Why are you doing, and, and why are you doing what you are doing? Why are you doing what you are doing? That's, that's how one way is. If, we, if we're having desires and we've, if we checked them off to God, then that's going to come across as, why am I doing what I'm, what I'm doing? Is this really for the glory of God or is this for the glory of Jeff? It says, that, you know, to regard one another is more important than yourselves. Now, my, my heart con- does not condemn me. My heart says this is true, that I rather hear Pastor Steve up here than myself. Because one, he says things that, you know, in his background of history and ba- his background as a pastor, there's things I don't know. So i rather hear from him. I know what I know. I just don't know what he knows. So I want to hear what he knows. <laughs> so I don't covet this position. Oh, I think him is more important. That's why I do what I do it here, is I want to work behind the scenes so he can, you know, do what he does best here. And, that, and so that should be, you know, for, for everybody. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Does not act unbecomely. It does not seek its own. That is love. Love does not seek its own. So if you have a godly desire then that desire is not going to seek its own. God has given you the desire not only to bless yourself, but to bless people around you. But if it's only blessing you, if it's only lifting up you, if it's only exalting you, then either you have the wrong desire or Satan has hacked God's desire for you. So we got to know all desires that God gives us is going to be based on love. In fact, those desires are not going to come about until that's the only thing you want to do is because of love. That, that you're not looking to be somebody else to build up your portfolio. That you're not trying to be some great holy spiritual person. You're not trying to, you know, be the richest just to be the richest. Not trying to be the best to be the best. But you're doing it because you really love God and you really love people. 
That's when you're fully qualified to walk in the fullness of who God is. So good idea or God's idea, we're just talking about desires. So I've got three minutes here, so I'm going to go a little quicker on this one. I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Again, for I have not come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And again, do you not believe that I am the, of the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. So Jesus is always deflected from himself. I'm not here on my own initiative. I didn't come here because, you know, I made up my own plan to come here. I came here by the directive of the Father. I'm only here because he asked me to come here. And that should be the case for all of us. We need to seek to fulfill God's will, not something in between, not something where it's God and me, but it's God. Do you have initiative? Now, if you're American, that's a very powerful word. And if you're going to be American, you better have initiative. But you heard about Jesus said, I didn't come here my own initiative. So initiative doesn't hold the same weight in the kingdom of God as it does here in America. We always, you know, people are always asking, well, do you have initiative? Can you, can you do this thing? Are you self-motivated? Are you self-motivated? Well, people ask me all the time, well, how do you do what you do? You, I, what motivates you? I go, I don't wait for motivation. I just do it because it's the will of God to do. So what motivates you? Pleasing God. Doing His will. I want to finish my course with joy. I want to pour out my life like a drink offering, which means I want to pour out everything that God gives me. So I have to get, a whole, get rid of a whole lot of things. I have to let God sweep my, my heart all the time and find things that they weren't there yesterday, but they are here today because that's, we're in a fallen world. I always have to go, God, here I am. Check my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. Oh, you found something else, did you? <laughs> you know, the police helped me out of that. And usually his surgery doesn't happen immediately. Sometimes it does, but sometimes you have to walk it out. So are you self-motivated? Because that's, that's another thing we think of a great. And we love all these entrepreneurs, these self-made men. Well, nobody's self-made. And if you are, you're not much of a man. You got there on the back of a lot of other people. Not only that, but you're not giving glory to God because every good gift is from above. There's two people out there that are that God's exalted. God exalted Moses and God exalted Pharaoh. Moses told Pharaoh, says, God exalted you this, so let my people go. Both of them got there because of God, but only one gave glory to God. And Pharaoh lost his life and lost his kingdom because he would not glory to God. There's a lot of athletes who make it there because of God. Yeah. But there's only a few of them that give him glory. So are you self-motivated? What motivates you? Industrious? Do you build your own? Now, God has made me, you know, very independent in a way. He's given me a lot of gifts. But to whom much is given, much is required. And so, and there's, I've had one person says, I'm always praying for you because you're always finding a way out. You're always industrious, and I'm scared for you. And, and I said, you know, going, no, as it is, I mean, God, looks, God gives us a way out. We don't want to get our own way out. Jesus could have came off that cross. He could have called 12 legions down. And there's been times I've been on that cross. There's been times you've been on that cross. And sometimes you did get off that cross. So now I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> I'm getting off this cross. But if you want to fulfill God's will and have his desires complete in your life, then you need to stay on that cross until, you're, until you're, your, your flesh is crucified. <laughs> so are you driven or led? 
This is, this is one of the things that God used me for a long time because I'm a driven person. But if you're a driven person, you're not a led person. And I know there was a book out years ago talking about the, you know, driven Christian or the driven church or a purpose-driven church or thing like that. And I don't, you know, I don't know what his mind was on the title, so I'm not going to criticize that because America really, really loves this driven thing. But we're led. We're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit, not driven. I know, Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it a man who walks to direct his steps. And so, so I didn't have that scripture there. But anyway, we're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit, because Jesus is the, is the great shepherd, the good shepherd. A shepherd leads his flock by his voice. He's not the good cowboy. He's not behind you. <laughs> whipping you and trying to get you from place to place. He doesn't drive us like a cattle drive. But our flesh does drive us. The desires of our heart un, unconnected to God from the tree of knowledge, good and evil, using God's principles but not talking to him about it, using his principles out of place and out of time for our own wisdom and not the wisdom of God. That's what happens. So motivation, no uh, Motivation here. I'll instruct thee and teach you the way which you to go. I will guide you with mine eye. We're supposed to be guided by his eye, not our eye. Mm. I was talking about earlier, especially when we were young. We saw somebody blessed. We saw somebody applauded. He says, I want part of that, you know, what's going on there. We're being led by our own eyes. Television, podcasts, all that kind of stuff is trying to lead us by what they're trying to show us rather than being led by the Holy Spirit. And not to, be as, not to be as a horse or as a mule. So whose eye should guide you? Not your eye. <laughs> your eye has too many things in it anyway. You're not seeing the picture well enough anyway. We need to be guided by God's eye. Are you a racehorse? Are you a stubborn mule? Or are you being held or called? Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> some of us are like that racehorse like I was. I wanted to run out that door and God told me he was going to give me a ministry. I thought it meant today. I had no idea it was going to help me build it because I would just lack knowledge. So I tried to start building it. Found out I didn't have the grace to do it. I'm still figuring that out. But it's building as he's building. Or are you a mule? You're just going to sit there. Well, if something's going to happen, God's going to have to do it. And so God has to put bridle in there to pull people back because they're out there too, you know, places they shouldn't be yet. Or they're like mules. It's like, come on, come on. But if we're really children of God, then we're not going to have a bridle and bit in our mouth. We don't have to. Because when God says, come, we go. And when he says, stay, we stay. So that's where I'm going to, I guess I'm going to leave this here. Um, yeah, I'll leave this on here. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the Son of God. So we need to be led. We're not led by our desires. If we're going to be led by our desires, we're going to try to fulfill the desires eaten from the tree of knowledge, good and evil. We're trying to figure out how we can get this done. Thank you, God, for this desire. Now leave it up to me how to get this done. Even if it's a godly desire, even if you want to get married, that's a godly desire, but there's a wrong way to fulfill that. Even if you want to have a business, there's a right way to do it and many wrong ways to do it. So we've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. We're not led by you know, opportunity. There's many opportunities I've turned down and people go, why did you turn that down? Because says, God says, that's not it. And some of us are led by circumstance. But we're not supposed to be led by circumstance. Well, I guess I got no other choice. 
Really? Have you talked to God? Because he's not without choices. But we're not led that. We're led by the Spirit of God. So my second ending right here. <laughs> so Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. And I just ask for your word to get deep in us, Father, that we're not led by desires. And our worship is you, that our servant is you. And our servant is not our own heart. Our servant is not our own mission. Our servant is not our own business. Our servant is going to serve you and you alone for your kingdom. We want you to have the glory. We want you to have the honor. And you have the power, Lord, and, and not of ourselves, Father. We just want to enjoy the ride with you, Lord. We just want to come along with you, Father. We want to see you in your glory and your honor and your power, Father. So bless us, Lord, as we leave this place. And let your word and your seed soak deep in us, Father, that it becomes part of us, Lord. Because we're not just hearers. We are doers, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, please convict us. Please, you know, tap us on the shoulder. Please, you know, put your hand on our chest when we start going the wrong, wrong way because of desire, Lord. Please show us where desires are. We're being led by desires and not being led by you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.